Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the Managing Director of B Squared and the host of the Sendcast. Every week we talk about a different topic within the world of special educational needs to improve our knowledge, to provide support professionals working in schools and to empower parents. In this episode, one of my regular guests, Fintan O'Regan, returns. For those who don't know who Fintan is, he has been a head teacher, lecturer for Leicester University and now works as a trainer and consultant for schools and school support systems. In this episode, we're discussing homework and the issues related to pupils with SEND. But before we get started, have you heard of the Virtual Send Conference? This is a conference we started running in 2019 that makes CPD around SEND more affordable, easier to access, and allows you to deliver CPD to the whole school around SEND. We run the conference every year over the internet, but you can watch the videos whenever you need as they are available on demand. For more information, visit www.trainingforeducation.com. At the end of the episode, I'll be giving you an exclusive discount code so you can save some money when you purchase access. Now on with the podcast. On this week's show, we're discussing the risks and benefits of homework for pupils with SEND. My regular guest, Fintan O'Regan, has returned, and Fintan is a trainer and consultant for schools and school support systems. And before he did this, he was working with a number of organizations, including NASEN, Institute of Education, Leicester University, the UK ADHD Network, and the European ADHD Alliance. And before all of this, he was a head teacher of a specialist school for students with ADHD, ASD, and ODD. Welcome to the show, Fintan. Thank you, Dale. Thank you for inviting me. Always, always welcome. So nearly every school sets homework and there are various arguments for and against homework. But for people with SCND, there are a number of other issues that need to be taken into consideration around homework. Yes, I mean, homework is such a, you know, uh, an interesting concept, uh, I, I think, really. And as a head teacher myself, I can tell you that, and I was of a specialist school, half of my parents hated homework and and half of them wanted more homework so half of them wanted less and half of them wanted more so it one of one of the things that really divided parents i think you could say that most students would, would rather not have homework yeah but we, you know it is something that we've done over the years in order to, to to reinforce learning that's been done during the day but i think there's time now to consider both the quality and quantity of homework and its value and, and whether or not in certain cases it's the risk is not worth the return, particularly when it comes to children with SEND. Definitely. I was someone who I just didn't do homework. So when I started secondary in year seven and it was in year eight, it was often finish what you, if you haven't finished what you've done in class, just finish off what you've done in class. And I just got clever enough to make sure I finish it in class. So I never did homework. And then I got to like year nine when the homework really started hitting, it wasn't in my, I just didn't do it. I just, I've learned you don't do homework and I never did it. And I somehow managed to not really get attentions. If there was one teacher who had to make me do it, I would do it in the in the break, the playtime or lunchtime before the lesson, just to, I didn't get attention, but it was no effort. Overall, there was no benefit, I would say. I didn't get anything from it. It continued on at college. So you probably sit there and from hearing that, going, you never did any homework, never did this. I was lucky. I did pretty good in school. I've got a couple of A-levels, didn't go to university, wasn't my thing. 
But then you probably say for me, I don't like learning. I don't like education. What I found is I didn't like school, but I love learning. I spend my life learning and I probably spend too much time doing work. So I wouldn't even try and use the excuse is homework is helping someone get a good work ethic and it helps them pair for the, I wouldn't even use that as a excuse. Yeah. I mean, I think so. As I say, there's, there's, there's a whole range of motivations, you know, at play here, isn't there? And, and I think, uh, if someone is very motivated to, to be compliant, for example, uh, and, um, I, I would take your point about I'm not necessarily sure that homework really promotes the love of learning. <laughs> I don't. I, I think it's more. I think most people would see it as a, as as something that ha they have to do yeah. in order to not get in trouble or to help the grades. Now there are some students who go to school who, as I said before, are, are what I call test match cricketers. They they're playing the long game. They're doing everything they've been told to do in order to achieve. This objective to do get a good report to please their parents to get a, to get on to the next year into the exams. But you've got a lot of other students who are what I call a twenty twentyers, so to speak. They're playing a very different rhythm to how they get. They just try to get through the day, yeah. let alone to uh, then you know uh, then carry on doing more of it later on that evening because for them getting through the day has been quite a challenge and i think i caught myself on this because i was a traditionalist when it came to teaching subjects and you know not questioning the fact that some i had to do homework and that's what you do you give extra work after school i remember sometimes thinking the homework i got at home was just the same and i knew this bit anyway but you did it because you had to do it and if you didn't you got in trouble you got attention and when I was a teacher, initially as a, as a subject teacher, I carried on, I was doing it and there were obviously different quality of homeworks coming in. And, and, you know, I suppose you probably thought that some of this homework was getting parent assisted and some of it wasn't. So you remember start thinking then, well, is that equitable? You know, is that, is that fair? And what am I assessing here? Am I assessing the parents or am I assessing the children? So you start questioning it, but you still carry on. But what caught my attention was when I was, I was teaching in a, in a more specialist school, and we still gave out homework because I think we wanted to do it, A, because we wanted to give the students what we felt was a, a, a more traditional school experience and also wanted to, I think the parents would have liked that because it wasn't so out of step with what a sibling was doing or everything else. But I got a homework, I got a, a letter and I had one, one student who was forever losing his homework or the aliens had taken it or the dog had eaten it and the mother would write these notes in to explain this. And you know, one day when I was in, it was a little 13 year old, and I got this note from this parent that said, and this boy had ADHD and ASD traits. His mother had written a note in saying that, and it came, this note in came in, in a very unusual way. It was on a white sock with a posted note on it. And I said to this lad, I said, Daniel, I said, what, what's, what's this? And he said to me, sir, he said, my mum said to give this. And I said, it's a sock, Daniel. He said, yes, sir, it's not my sock, sir, it's my brother's. That was really important to Daniel because it wasn't his sock he was giving me. Well, I looked at the note and it said, Mr. O'Regan, I'm spending four and a half hours trying to get Daniel to do his science homework. It should have taken half an hour. Please find his laundry enclosed. And I thought, what is going on here? And then it clicked. The mum was saying to me, help me, help, because the burden of looking after Daniel in the evening and his siblings and getting him to go to bed and eat his food. If he has these issues, the homework was just a bridge too far. 
to try and get him to do that. So I started thinking about what are we trying to achieve here? Whose needs are we meeting? And so then I started thinking much more about the burden of homework on, on an individual and on their family versus the benefit of it. And it is, it can be very, very different, but it, homework, yeah, homework is very interesting because it is, and we go, oh, what's your, what's your, what's your daughter's secondary school like? Oh, it's really good. What's the homework like? It's often the next question. And I'm sitting there looking at my daughter who's not doing homework, going, oh, she should be doing more. Yeah, I did no homework, but I feel it's what you should do. You should conform and do this homework. She's not getting set much. Oh, well, she must be falling behind. But yet, a grade she's doing all right. So she doesn't need the homework. And I've got two daughters at this school now, and neither of them are getting huge amounts of homework. But when they have had homework, they've done it, but sometimes it doesn't even get marked. So sometimes when we've if it struggled through and I've had to help them, like I love my maths, get so far in maths, I'm hitting the limit at year eight. And I'm helping them and I want to know, how did I do? Did I get them right? Did I explain it to you right? So I want to know. Never get the results back. So we don't know if if what I've been trying to teach my daughter is the right thing or not, because it's not getting marked. But it is, it does take time. There's a lot of emotion can get involved. Because, and I think Sarah Jane Critchley, we talked about your home being your safe place. And if you're starting to fall out with your children over doing this homework, you're kind of destroying the idea of a safe space, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I going back to that point about how we are. So there's a couple of, I mean, first of all, I find it, that's that's really quite, what's the one? I think the word's disturbing, actually. I'm trying to think of a better word, that the homework your daughters are getting isn't being marked. Because that's, um, you know, what, what's the motivation then for doing it? And, and what feedback can they get regarding the quality or quantity of what they're doing? You know, is it just a tick box to say you've done it, you hand it in? Because surely work that children achieve both at school and at home should be should be at least evaluated for it for its its completion. But if that's happening, then it's happening, and and if that's happening elsewhere, that's something that I haven't heard much about before. But there's a couple of things that that have came to me when I, when I tell that story about the you know the, the the boy with the white sock. I started researching this, and I I looked at a couple of things, and um, there was some research in the US that said that. Uh, it's a child with ADHD, which is an area I cover um, quite extensively. It took a child with ADHD three times as long to do the same piece of work in school, you know, as at home, which was, you know, um, which was basically as a, as a, you know, evaluated by that note I mentioned. So I started to think about, you know, what am I doing really? Am I just putting this huge extra burden on the family and what can I do differently about it? Uh, and what was I achieving by by doing it in the same way? So what we what we tried to do was to reduce that burden by doing it slightly differently. And and so one of the things we did at school was we tried we had a, a, we used to have a homework club, for example, where by most of the homework was completed before they went home. So therefore, it was out of the way, and therefore, as you say, home could become that safe place. And that seemed to work pretty well. Now there's logistic issues on that in terms of timing and, you know, and who staffs that and how far the child is away and transportation, everything. So I, I, I get the fact that can't will work, but if you take that stat in mind, it takes a child three times as long as the same person work at home. You can't just be carrying on doing the same thing for every child with that in mind, because that is putting an untold burden an expectation on the parents. Now, some parents will take that expectation and work very well 
with it. But if you also take the take this to this other extent, 80% of children with ADHD will have a parent who will have the traits. So a child that needs more help, routine and habits and those sort of things may become from a family who will least likely to have those things. So it's 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 actually you're working with a child with homework. You are very much working with a family who needs to support you with homework. And that is sometimes a bridge too far. Yeah. It, it definitely and so did you go into report why it takes three times longer is it doing the same work is it kind of in school they will conform and they will just hide their emotions but it's at home when they're struggling they come out is it does it did it give yeah it, it is it was, it's all of that it's not so much the emotions so much it's well there's, there's two elements to it number one is that home there's, it's more it's more distractions you know there's less uh, routines there's less habits particularly if it's a home that is a little less organized than, than others so therefore, because of that, it's harder to settle them. It's harder to find a place that is less distractible. It's hard to get started. You know, there's, there's just the, the, the culture and the mood is just not always as conducive towards this approach as it is in a school environment where it's very much more structured, it's organized. and they've got to, The other thing to bear in mind, so that's one thing. The, the other thing is that to bear in mind that someone said to me once, with, she was talking about a child, she says that, you know, this child who's um, getting through the school day, she said, if you take a traditional learner, a neurotypical, getting through the school day is like swimming, I know, just give you an analogy, swimming four lengths of swimming. If you have a child with dyslexia or ADHD or ASC, getting through a school day is like swimming four lengths in treacle, Dale. What that means is that every stroke that you're putting in to, to complete that length is taking twice as much energy. So this is why, to a certain extent, students often flag in the afternoon, not just students with SEN, but all students flag in the afternoon. But if you've got SEN and you've been swimming those four lengths in treacle, that you could equivalent that to eight or nine or 10 lengths because of the effort you're putting in. So by the time you get to the afternoon, you're, you're tired. And by the time you get to the evening, you'll be exhausted. If you've got through the school day, then, you know, there's a, there's, so the combination of those two things, the more distractions, the lesser structure in the home, plus the actual way in which the child is probably feeling in terms of the effort they've already put in is, is why those stats are so high. And another issue, which is, again, I talk about various podcasts, is when you do the homework. So I was always, when I did it last minute, and my daughter is also last minute, but she's not rushing She'll sit there and she can't do it before Sunday night because she doesn't get the motivation. And Monday, Sunday night, she'll sit there and she'll do it all properly and so lots of effort in. But it's, it's getting to a point where she has to do it and that motivates her. But I know people who will, you get home from school and you sit down and do your homework because you get it out of the way. But a lot of children with SEN need that relaxing. They need to decompress from the day. So trying to, trying to get the homework done then is another big battle which is going to just rage on for years. And, and the very essence of what you said, they're getting it out of the way, in a way almost defines its importance, doesn't it? And, yeah. and, it, and, it, and, it's, a, and it's quality and to a certain extent, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's validity because it's supposed to be, you know, well, I wouldn't say all students are going to have the love of learning when they go to school on a Monday morning, but it's supposed to be enhancing what they do. You know, so you're right, you know, and I think sometimes that, there are different patterns and different, you know, they've got clubs after school, they've got other things to do, they've got, they've got their own time to take on board, you know, and as you say, there will be some people who will be 
your traditional learners will usually be pretty structured about how they do it because they're playing that long game. But your non-traditional learners will do it in a very different way. And it often is last minute. It is often, um, it is often then done on the Sunday after. Or it's not done at all. And we have to take this on board, that when they come into school the next day and it hasn't been done, they're not as organized. We know organization is an issue. And then it just seems to often end up, you know, the cart running the horse, so to speak, in terms of it's, it's, a, it's a real problem and you get detentions over it. And so someone that's coming in who's struggling with motivation to go to school because they're not enjoying it, it's hard for them anyway. Then they come in and they're penalized for not doing work, additional work in the evening then you're starting off with the tension and a very negative feedback. And then that, that can feed into more disillusionment and disappointment and someone who's already not feeling very positive about what they're, they're doing on behalf of their teachers and parents. It, it's not usually a, 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 good, a good strategy to actually help them improve. And the idea is you give someone the attention for something with a view that this is going to teach them to do something differently next time. And that's what you do. If you, you know, you go in the motorway and you, you know, we, you go through that speed camera, you will get a ticket with the issue that you'll get fined. And, and, uh, and, and, and so next time you will notice the speed camera more. So there's, yeah. there's room for, you have to have consequences. That's real life. But if you just don't keep noticing that speed camera, because you, you just don't notice it, it's not going to change your speed. And in the same way, if homework is, is being used to sort of penalize you to say to, to do it better next time, but you don't have the conditions or the support or the, or the, you know, the, 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 the energy to complete it, it's probably not going to change the outcome. And just continue your analogy. You, you hear of disqualified drivers, you get caught speeding. You're like, right. So it didn't work. They lost their license and they're continuing. So something else has to change. Yeah, I think we, you know, and we know that this continuous, the systems and policies we have are in schools, generally speaking, without saying that they shouldn't apply to people with SCN, are very much geared towards your traditional learners. If you're having something that's not working, like continuous detentions for someone not doing their homework, then you can't carry on just giving out detentions, expecting it to suddenly miraculously change. You've got to do something differently about it. Definitely. So with homework, there's, there's different types of homework and there's doing a good old worksheet. Uh, there's finishing off what you've done in class, but sometimes they do give you something new and there's been a, so I've got three nephews all on the spectrum in different ways. And, um, they've been given some amazing pieces of homework, which has just caused so much stress. And one of them was for DT or whatever it's currently called, design a pencil case. And uh, he, well, what's, what do I do? I have no idea. So my sister just said, Google pencil case. And he Googled it and went to the images, just draw one of them and label it. So he did that. And the next section was, why did you design it this way? And he's like, how do I answer? How does he, 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 he it was very literal. And um, another piece of homework they got set, which was just amazing. It was, uh, um, think about why their character did this in the book and he spent 10 minutes thinking about it and then he finished it when the teacher complained there wasn't anything written down and uh he got detention for it and my sister wrote down when he completed his homework he thought about it you didn't say write down so with sen especially when you're a nurse, you have to be quite is all the information they need there yeah, and I think it's it's a classic case that it's it's actually if it, if it wasn't upsetting in one sense, it would be also quite amusing, because as you say, I think you know there'll be some provision for being very literal 
in terms of what your expectations are in a one-to-one -one situation or in a group situation in the classroom that suddenly goes home and all goes out the window because there's a sort of there's no one there to supervise it and as you say someone who's done what he's been asked to do and then he's been asked why he did it. well as you know children with asd just do not think in that way there's no way he can possibly respond to that and there's no real prompting or supervision that he can get to do this so I think, you know, it is, it, there is an argument to say that, you know, those types of activities need to be very, need to be really thought of. In my experience, homework is, is often hurried. It's often uh, not well planned. It's, I'm not, and maybe I'm being disingenuous to people who do do this very well. It is often an add-on and, it, and it's something that is part of our system without really being very um, specifically designed towards the, the learning style of that person. Now, I know time, numbers or all those things are important but you know if something is is just being hurried and, and done just because it it's it's part of what you've always done it's valued then therefore i think diminishes i mean let me give another example when when we start so when we have like exams and things for students with SE, we have a whole host of additional provisions for them first of all we give them extra time you know then we have a prompter. You might have a scribe. You might have various things. That's an admission that this child needs some additional support in order to do this particular task. Yep. But when it comes to homework, where, where's that? You know, where is that? Uh, it's the burden is on the parent to do that. And if yep. the parent has those skills and time to do that, that's fine. But I think it's unlikely most parents will have that culmination with the son or daughter as you say having very specific needs and also there's something i know myself we've all had examples of trying to teach um, our children various things on homework and i've been a teacher for many years and, and as you know but if i'm trying to teach my son or daughter i've got a method which is possibly very different from that of their supervisor and they don't appreciate a different method no. <laughs> to do it. And, it and i think it causes a lot of arguments and stress between parents and children, parents, a number one, trying to get them to do it because they think they don't want them to get in trouble, and they, they have this idea that they're not doing homework, not getting on, and b the tension that it's caused between a parent and a child. And if there's tension anyway over other issues, this is only going to magnify the whole area. So I think you know we really need to rethink it. Now, I do have some suggestions about how homework can also take place more productively with certain students, and we can talk about those a bit later on. But right now, I think we've really got to think about the policy of homework on kids with SEN. So right there, you said that often uh, homework is often an add-on, it's a rushed thing, and there are lots of children who don't do it, or it's late, or it's not really done well. So in reality, in no situation, if not every situation, homework will not prevent them from moving on within that subject. So generally, you can't, as a school, you can't say, we'll do this as this, we'll then do that bit as homework, and then we'll use that in the classroom because you, you can't realistically rely on that. So generally, and if, if, they, if they basically really got it as embedded and it's part of it, then children are more likely to do it. But that's a huge onus and we get into further problems. So it is always just going to be an add-on. It's never going to be a requirement. It will help some children but it's not ever going to be a requirement. I think, you know, I think most of the stages up to year sort of seven, eight, nine, no. I think 10 and 11, you might argue there's time to teach everything is limited. So therefore, 
you know, maybe some extension stuff needs to be done. I think at A level, I think there's probably need yeah. to re, you know, you've got to spend additional time on stuff. So I think there's 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 room for it. You know, I suppose when you get older, when they're younger, I, I'm not sure. You know, and again, go back to the issue of developmental differences. You've got a 15 year old with SEN who's probably still only a 13 year old, and it's it's no accommodation for that in the homework. You know, for example, like we say in the exams, you're 25. percent So there's just in this, and why it's 25 percent, by the way, there's no real research on that. I'm going to tell you this: <laughs> someone's come up with this figure and said 25 percent, whereas you know why it's why it's 25 and not 30 or 35. There's no real, but that's another that's that's another. That's another podcast. We can do that yes. on additional needs sometime if, on why on why they say it that way. But there's just but at least there's a, there's an appreciation that there's something needed to be done, whereas that that just doesn't happen in this particular um, arena. Uh, having you know, and also there might be some, but like in everything, you know, when you got an issue, there are some maybe innovative ways of doing it differently, and and I think that you know. I think there is room for projects type work in areas of interest that someone has and talked about children with, you know, autism who have quite a lot of interest on very specific things. If it's something that we want to do, which is to see whether or not they can, I don't know, there's a sense of research something, uh, they can develop an argument towards something of interest. You know, I think why should they do, you know, 20 questions in a class and then do 10 more when they've already understood that topic. I mean, it is, it does sound quite ridiculous, doesn't it really? Why couldn't they do something completely different, um, maybe related to that somehow they're interested in doing and present that as, 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 as time spent doing something different, which is what parents, I think parents have this idea that we want to prepare them for the future so they can study by themselves, which is what we are. Homework is a little bit of that, but it, it's just, where's the motivation? For someone who thinks differently, who finds it hard to, when they've done it, they've done it. You know, I was I was never a fan of getting twenty questions right and then being told, "Well, oh, do a hundred for homework." Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, exactly. Is it in case I lose it after the next sixty? What What are you worried about? Yeah. I yeah, but um, the project based that is something um, I'm a real fan of, and I was chair of my daughter's primary school. There was lots of conversations about homework. And I went and it was one of the conferences I went to. It was an old Capita conference many years ago. Um, and somebody talked about the project-based homework and the huge benefits. Because um, what their, their feedback was is setting homework every week. The family had to find time to support their children every week. And we'd often did it the weekend. But if you've got a family or your family lives up north or down south or over west or any and you then go away for the weekend, and you've lost the homework time. So it was trying to feed, and you just squeeze it in one evening, and it was just added stress to everyone's life. And this school switched to project-based. And two of the projects, one was um, about space, and obviously the dads got involved, and they had some amazing creations come back at the end of the half term. And another one was um, about... Um, doing something about holidays. I can't remember the precise details, but it was about um, researching a holiday and creating a holiday and finding lots of information. And at the end of the half term, they had a, uh, a, a holiday sale in the school hall and every child was there selling their holiday. Yeah. 
And every parent who came along was given two vouchers. They could obviously go and buy their child's voucher. They had to go buy another child's voucher. And they just found, because they, they gave people more time and more openness on go find out about your favorite holiday, it just meant people could use their strengths or what their time and found time and did that. And the, it was so much better received by the parents. Yeah, I mean, going back to that, I mean, we're saying that it's a burden for parents, but if there's something that, you know, the, the dad or mum enjoy uh, as a hobby and there's, a, there's an opportunity to have a relationship with your son or something, you know, meaningful that you're both interested in, then there's obviously benefits in that, isn't there? Just in terms of the, uh, the planning, the application and the relationship, you know. But, but it's not really set up that way currently. And no. uh, in an ideal scenario, I think, you know, that obviously would be, uh, everyone would, 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 I think, enjoy that sort of experience. And, I, and then I suppose it's, it, but it, then it's got to be how it's then evaluated and, uh, and, and how it fits into the current system. And, and you've got to remember, I suppose, that, you know, for maybe 80% of students that right now, I suppose we always have to say this, for 80% of students, the system seems to work, well, I, whether or not it's good or bad, is someone else to judge that, but it, but it's working, you know, fairly well. We're talking about students with SEN for whom school might be, you know, difficult into it, and then, and then, but homework. But we have to be, we can't be then just looking after them all day and being, you know, hopefully being differentiated and then saying go and do the same as everyone else in the evening, because that I'm afraid is what I seem to see is happening more so. So you know, but I, you know, I take your point, you know, about. If you're good at something in the old days, yes, you've got to do more of the same. And I think that has changed. People are more aware about that. But there's another thing, isn't there, here about talking about parents. And it's, um, I mean, I think it was a few years ago now in France for a while. I don't know if it was still take, what's taking place, but I think they banned homework altogether for a period of time because the idea was then that the only students, this is, takes the argument slightly away from the benefit of the, um, they were saying that only the students of the more, uh, richer families or you know the more were actually who were supporting their kids were benefiting whereas those of a socioeconomic nature they were assuming much sure it's not the case in every single home of course but they weren't getting the same benefit in terms of you know the parent interest or the technology available to or to do that so they thought they felt it was an unfair playing field and it was it was it was disadvantaging um some members of society versus others and, you know, so that's, that's another sort of argument. I can't see us with our sort of philosophy currently doing that. But it does beg the question as well about how much support students can get from parents of who are interested and motivated and how much Google is really doing the homework for them anyway. You know, so, so there, is a, there is a sort of like a, there is something here for us to, to sort of like look at in terms of how, you know how it's how it's currently taking place because no one's really monitoring that. There is um there's a book out there which I've uh, got and I've got halfway through and got quite angry at it. Made so many bad assumptions, but it was the difference between knowledge and skills and Google versus actually knowing something and various things like that. But if we think, let's go back to that project based and the current education system is, um, and I've had conversations with Alex our education team about this and. The why it's set up the way it is, is we have English, we have all our subjects and we learn a subject, we have a test at the end and we learn the same stuff, we all test the same stuff. And basically 
is just to simplify it. Yeah. Everyone has to get everyone to the same standard. It's just, yeah. So, so an employer can go good at maths, good at English, have them. It's nice and simple. But if we changed to project-based, because I'm sure in your life, Fintan, you spend, oh, right now, I'm going to do a bit of English. Then I'll stop and I'll do it at maths for an hour. Then I'll stop and do some geography. You do everything together. You never generally do one thing at a time. You do lots of things together. And that's how we all do. And you generally do lots of things together, working towards a goal. We're working towards this. I'm going to launch a new product. I'm writing a PowerPoint present. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Um, and you generally do lots of skills together and work towards something and get to a goal and see an end result. Great. And I think with the projects, when you're doing that at home with your parents, I remember doing a few things like that. We, um, we, we, uh, me and my dad made a little wooden plane and you had to sand the edges to get the uh, aerofoil. And then we, when we built it and it glued and it stuck together, we took it to the park. We had a cricket stump with elastic, pulled it back, put rubber on and it shot and it flew. And it was like, we did this. I put all that effort in. My dad made me learn various things. We got protractors out and things like that. There was lots of maths and engineering and stuff in. And I loved it. I got to spend that time and it was very rewarding. And I think, so what works for SEM works for all. If we did project based where you got something achieving, why am I learning this? Why am I learning about Napoleon? Why am I learning about this? I, re I personally really don't know. Um, but if you actually learned and did something useful, which maybe made you go and research something, there's a whole different way of learning. And as I said earlier about homework, it's because you don't like homework to me. I love learning, but I, it's learning for a purpose. Well, when we go back to the, the, what you're saying is we go back to the fact that, you know, we, we've been talking about university many times on our, on our, our conferences or our, work, our, our sendcast, I should say. But what we know is that business and, and industry like innovation. They like people who are different. They like people who come up with different ideas, who have different ways of thinking of things. And this isn't me saying this. This was Ken Robinson changing the paradigm, that great talk he gave, about schools are into compliance. They're into people doing things in the same way, same time, built along factory lines, that sort of stuff. Homework is very much about compliance currently. It is not about innovation. It is very much about doing the same sort of thing in the same way at the same time. And we're just not meeting the needs of students that have SE when it comes to this, this, to this area. And I think, and as I said, it, not only is it it's maybe disadvantaging, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily disadvantaging in terms of knowledge. I think it's definitely, don't think necessarily disadvantaging them in terms of their work ethic, which I think, say, is, is poorer because they're not working in things. I think it's disadvantaging more in terms of self-esteem and attitude because when they go in next day, they haven't been able to do the same thing in the same way as other people. And they're often getting penalized for it. And the parents are also taking the brunt of it too. You know, so I think in all those ways, I, I just can't see the, I, I think the, the return is, is just not, not worth the risk of this one. Um, having said that, there are ways of getting children to work differently. As you mentioned before, you know, the, the model build, that creative element, which often we know have. I, I do see students working differently, though, now, and I think it's allowing them. If we do want to do that, for example, children with ADHD, it's my areas, you know, when I talk to parents about that, having them sit down in a room to sort of with all no noise just so they can work on it is just not going to help. It's not going to benefit 
They'd be better off in a room where you've got proactive distractions, music playing to shut out the white noise, or walking around a room with a headset in on a laptop doing it. You know, you can do things like that and or on a screen, working on a computer or something they might have done already during the day, watching, having an iPad beside them, playing a film that they know. People look at me and say, well, that's crazy. How is that distract them? No, it does the opposite. As you know yourself, it helps them focus on what they're doing. So there are methods that are, can be translated across within our current system. Overall, though, the whole thing needs a rethink, needs an overhaul. And, you know, we, we to, uh, to be promoting that, I think, as best we can through these mediums and other mediums. I think it is people go, well, it works for me. So you think of it, well, I used, my parents used to make me sit up here, so that's what I'm going to make you do. And um, I just sit there and I, and I didn't do my homework. And, yeah, it's not going to be the case for everyone. I didn't do my homework, but I got it. Is, but my daughter, the other day, she literally – she sent me a text message in the middle of the day. Um, so she was, at, I think it was at lunchtime. She got a phone out. Dad was like, yeah. Can you help me tonight with some maths? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I said, this homework? She went, no. So why are we doing this? She went, well, I didn't get it in class. But, but from she, she's a conformist, so she wants to make sure she gets it. She doesn't have to put her hand up. But she just came home, and it was... It, it was a balancing equations. So, and she's trying to go, well, if I divide that by this, I'll divide that by that. Why? So we went through it and she got there and so I said, it's not homework. She went, no, I just want to make sure when we do this in class, I'm not going to have to put my hand up and say, I don't know. That's the whole reason. But she off she went and the couple, how did it go? She went, great, I got it all right. So, so she obviously wants to, so it's working out the reason they want to learn and she'll want to learn, she'll do it. And she spent her own time doing it after I sat with her. She did some more, but she went upstairs with her phone on and music on and all that lot. And yeah, I'm very much for, I can't sit in a room on my own. I will start counting floor tiles, mm, ceiling yeah, tiles. Yeah, yeah. I will count everything. <laughs> One of my favorite places to work is a busy hotel um, foyer. Yeah, if there's a, nice, there's a nice hotel in Scotland, I sit in when I'm going up to schools in Scotland and I'll sit there at nine o'clock in the evening. I'll have my laptop, I'll have my headphones on and I have my back to the wall so I can watch the world go past. And I'll be sitting there working just in a second, and I just watch someone walk by or I watch someone at the bar or I just, I like people watching and just observe and then straight back to it. And it's just, I can't work on my own in my hotel room. I just go stir crazy. Well, we can move back to that whole idea of you know, for individuals who, who learn differently. And, you know, it's about, for you, you need the stimulation. Because if you don't get the stimulation from the environment around you, you get it, you get it from You're going watching the, the, four, the four tiles. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, I think I might have mentioned this before in a, another podcast, but it was, a, it was a conference years ago that taught me something that was it was about teaching the brain. I told us before about there was a conference at teaching the brain. It's a colleague of mine who written the book, um, Duncan Milne. It's quite a good book, actually. There was a teacher beside me who said, well, she said, I don't teach brains. She says, I teach students. And I thought that was quite interesting just because she was making distinction between a brain and, and a person who was, you know, had had a brain in. Yep. So I started to think about that. And I started to think about how it's not just about teaching brains, if we are at all. You are after minds. 
Now, a mind is a more interesting concept, really, because where is your mind? It's it, people say my mind is in my head. Well, it, no, I, I, I've done biology. I've done, I've taught biology, and there's no part of the body that has a, a place which is called a mind. <laughs> it is, it is much more wider than that. And I think, um, and I think mind is, and this isn't just my idea. Someone else, I also got it from them as well, because it's rehab, you know, respond me. But a mind is, is, is engaging three things. I think it's engaging your brain in in something you're interested. You need to also to engage your body, in 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 the experience of learning, and you absolutely have to engage the environment. <laughs> if you've got the environment, you've got the body in tune, and you've got the brain then you engage the mind and and i'm and i know that in terms of presenting myself as a presenter when i've got a whole audience for three hours you know on a subject which and i've got teachers who are really that much more they're more talkers than listeners i have to absolutely engage not the brain but the mind now how is how can you tell me the mind is being engaged during homework for most students who need that. I, I think it's probably unlikely that's taking place. And, and that's why you're not getting, you know, a very productive return. But we, we know in the classroom with all these fidget toys that even being in that classroom in the perfect learning environment, possibly, yeah. um, that you're not really engaging them fully. I am someone who will sit there. I went on a course recently learning about some new mics, I think in Azure or Azure, as we pronounce it in England, and doing all this stuff. And I'm literally on my phone looking through things because it wasn't engaging. I was keeping up with everything. But if I'd sat there and trying to conform and listen, I wouldn't have lasted 10 minutes. So I had to occupy my mind. 20% of me was listening. I'm keeping up, but I had. And, it's, and I think some people would take that as insulting. Very much so, they do. I, mean, I you know, I spend a lot, spend a lot of time on that. You know, how if someone's, you know, you know, my my feeling about boredom. It's a, it's something, some people feel, and, and when they feel bored, it's real to them. You can't say to someone, be more interested. It doesn't work that way. You've got to, you've got to find a way to motivate, and and, and to engage their mind in order to get them to 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 be be stimulated so someone's angry you can't just say to them be happy you but the thing about boredom is we take it personally we say that you should be more interested or you or i'm not boring if someone finds you boring you are to them it's a real feeling as opposed to fight it you've got to understand that 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 the person feels that way and what you can what you can do about it and if we relate this back to homework where it's been a struggle all day to basically stay within the framework you've been asked to do to do it for seven hours a day and then to be expected to do it for another couple of hours or an hour and a half in the evening it just seems a bridge too far for some people another thing to think about is again with that whole boredom is why are they bored what's the question so my nephew who is in year eight hugely intelligent um i think he's asd and adhd still going through various things um but he for when he's bored he'll read a brief history of time yeah he's reading that and fully understanding it and that's not that's not enough for him so he's off doing more and he goes into his science 
Do you think he's engaged? Do you think he's doing anything in that lesson? Or is he literally going, oh, I did this when I was six? And how how is that child who's in year eight, who's loving science? It's their best thing ever. They're gonna be, God, he wants to what he wants to be is phenomenal. The fact he wants to be that at this age, he knows what he wants to be is phenomenal. He's gonna go and do it and he's gonna be great at it. But he has to go into that science lab in year eight and sit there for an hour, bored out of his mind, because it is so below where he's working in that subject. Yet you'll put him in English and he's really going to struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we go back to this whole idea again of, you know, when we talk about SEN developmental differences, this is, you know, I feel quite passionate about that. Those words, not deficit, you know, not, not disorder, it's difference and it's developmental differences. And again, it's adjusting for that and, and understanding that, as you say, there's some things that are going to be very difficult because he's two or three years below. Other things is going to be, you know, uh, he's two or three years above. So what you would do is, is differentiate, you know, to according to his level. And as I said, as that's not happening so easily during the day, it is almost certainly not happening during the evening so so therefore you know the motivation uh to do to try and do to get the same experience after you've had a battle all day to survive it remember you've, you've done those lengths in treacle to then be expected to do a few more lengths in treacle in the evening is just probably not not going to take place no well, the thing is it's yeah it's just i sit there and i, I just Generally, I see lots of challenges. And one of the things in, is, I think it's called flip learning, which I've personally done as an adult because I was motivated to. I read the entire book, went into the thing, and went, oh, that's what it was on about. Yeah, great. Again, that's only really going to work where children are going to do the homework. That's where you're going to benefit. Saying read it and then going through it as if they haven't read it isn't flip learning. No. no, it's not. It's actually the reverse of that. It's a reverse flip, <laughs> almost a back flip, you know, again. And, you know, as I said, I think what we're looking at here is, is something that we've always done it. So we're just carrying on doing it, so to speak. And it's one of those areas, like a lot of areas, that we just, we just need to review its value, it's it's benefits and you know and, and if we would i think we were for really honest and did it did that as in a in a in some kind of you know um maybe research way or or just even on an individual way i think you would revise its you know the, the current practice of you know distributing homework to all students in in what it appears to be still and non-differentiated. Yeah, I say I, I can't see a real answer it, without setting it. And if you if you do it, you do it. All you're really going to do is confirm you know it. But if you don't, you don't. But then, if you think about the working world, let's go to the working world. Um, if you run your own business, you are going to be working long hours. Yeah. If you're working at the checkout in Tesco's, you work when you're there. When you walk away, you're done. If you cut hair, 
you work well. You don't, you're not kind of researching, cutting. Yeah. Most, a lot of jobs, you work when you're at work and you leave and it's your time. There are some jobs, teaching is one of those jobs where work life balance is a what? A what, what? But for most, most, most jobs, you work at work, at home. Getting certain jobs, there are more things where you're doing prep work and getting a report ready for the morning and things like that. For most people, when you're at home, it's your time. So what's wrong with doing that at school? Yeah, I, I, that's right. And and I think there's, I mean, what you said, there was there are obviously some jobs where the preparation is taking place, but I suppose you would argue that is part of the job. You're doing it in a slightly different time zone. Um, you... When you work for yourself, I suppose there's like a different motivation than if you work for other people. So there are different reasons why people work in the evening versus, you know, don't work in the evening. Um, but you are right. There are many jobs that you do. And, and the reason, but we said before, the reason why you're doing that in the evening because you've got a different set of motivations. If those motivations are to, you know, to, to, to carry on, to, you have to do that in order to achieve this tomorrow or whatever, then that will be that. But I think, I think the, the, the law of diminishing returns, so to speak, is that if you are, have, have, if it's, if you're struggling to motivate yourself to get through seven hours a day, because it is that much more difficult for you, then, then to be expected to then motivate yourself to do more of it again in the evening when kind of given everything you can during the day is is just not realistic okay so um i've just i just want to research i just quickly look at my phone let's check it right so there's uh recently there's a new law being passed in portugal i don't know if you know about this law i yes go on i have heard about this yes it's, that's right. um yep. bans bosses from phoning email or texting that's their workers right. once they're off the clock that sounds a bit like a ban on homework. It, it it very much does, doesn't it? And I did see that a few weeks ago, and it did make me smile because I knew we were coming in and having this conversation today. <laughs> and and I suppose what they're saying in there is that yes, you know, they want people to be fresh in order to go back to work tomorrow. And, and there is some argument for that because you know they always say, was it work expands to fill the time that you give it, and you know if you continue to be available for you know, for your employer, if you continue to look at your phone and pick up emails which have been written at four o'clock, didn't have time to answer when you finish work at half five, but you work them in the evening, then, you know, that, that will cut in, you know, to other things you're doing. And in theory, would mean that you will not recharge, you will not be refreshed, you will not be able, in theory, to go back tomorrow and, and you know, be you know, have, 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 have had a break. And we know that whatever you do, if you, your body, and if we go back to our mind, it's not just our, our, our brain, it's our body. We know that anyone in order to achieve a, a realistic and continuous performance, if you think of an athlete, they can't keep running all day and all night and then expect to go back the next day and, and do it again, time and time again. You need to rest, you need to recharge. You need to, you know, give yourself an opportunity to do it again. So with that, that you know, that option, which is an excellent way of actually, I think, finishing this kind of program in a way, is is to sort of, with that analogy in mind, that's really what we should be doing. If we want our kids to be fresh, ready to go again, then sure, we need to give them the opportunity to charge and refresh before they have to do that. 
And you see uh, a lot of people have on their email signatures, do not feel you have to respond outside of your working hours. Is And the more I think about it, I'm, my daughter's school hours are nine to three. Feel free to not work outside of that. Why not? Um, but one of the things I've not seen too, and we might be doing another whole podcast on this, is the four-day work week, four-day school week. Because you um, can't have four-day work week if teachers are working. There's a whole kettle of fish and to be unopened there. And Yeah, I mean, we're moving into an area now, aren't we, of, um, you know, of talking of working from home versus working in work. Um, and obviously education has worked in that way forcibly due to the issues of, of COVID. So people are used to, most students are used to working from home, not everyone. I suppose it's um it, it always you know goes into this area again of us adjusting as a society towards the you know the way that we will be expected to operate in the future. So if you're basically saying that you know we're asking students we're asking for a workforce to not necessarily always work at an office versus partly at home um and if schools are all supposed to work in a certain place I mean then, then I suppose you're saying we're not really preparing them for a new level. I mean, universities right now don't appear to be having any lectures live at all. So yeah, I don't know. That's a different issue to be talking about. But the point is that, um, you know, whether that four-day week would benefit um, our students currently, um, you know, versus, and, and, and the staff that work with them, well, that's an interesting question. You know, I think, um, as you know, I think, Certain individuals with SEN, of course, probably did quite enjoy the experience from working at home, particularly those that might have autistic ASD features uh, and the socialization needs to have to go in every day and deal with some of the other issues that they might. Having said that, you know, you want to balance, you want to be able to promote and do that as well. But whether a four day week would work, you know, uh, in terms of meeting their needs, that's a very interesting question. And I think, I think if you were to ask, certain individuals what they would prefer to do i mean they'd probably agree with that you know whether but it does need to marry in with obviously parental supervision and everything else so those two things are um are, yeah it's quite an intriguing idea that it's going to be an interesting time because it does mean that i we've had the same education system for years but we've also had the five-day week for yeah. years so if that's changing perhaps we could change education perhaps we can take things and maybe do things differently um, and but yeah, I'm I'm optimistic, but also at the same time very pessimistic. <laughs> I always take take the uh, you know whatever happens, isn't it? You know when you had that uh, Greek mythology about Pandora, what what we always kept in the box was hope, yeah. and I think there's always hope. And I I I do see I do there's always challenges. I I would take the view that you know people people do say the good old days, and I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure how good they are. You know, I think that's a little bit wistful. I, I, you know, I can certainly say health wasn't as good in the good old days. You know, aspects of of uh, mobility for people who had problems with with mobility on on the transport wasn't as good in the good old days. I, I'm sure attitudes towards many things weren't the same in the in those good old days. Um, I know that some uh, you know suitcases. You had to carry them in the good in the good old days, and now they've got wheels on, you know, so you can roll them along. So there's some real benefits. So I think, you know, there 
there's some it's differences and and society's changing culture's changing um i i think the bigger question you you're, you're posing there is that some of the technology has changed so much and, and some of the ways in which we receive information changed so much are schools equipped have they caught up Really, I suppose some of the methods that we are still using in order to teach our children with the with the information options we have right now might not be, you know, as well aligned as they could be. So I think there are that issue of the four day week is a very interesting idea about how we might a huge, much bigger picture, isn't it? Much, much bigger, bigger question. Picture. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the things I was um, my dad worked for IBM, so we had an IBM PC at home before the school did, and. What that meant was I could have a brain dump of my head when I was writing a story and just go, Bleh, and then go through it again and just edit it. And that made so much more sense than writing a story out once, then editing it, and then rewriting it out again. It was like, why? And when we think of the modern world, everyone is doing something digitally and rewriting it and correcting it and proofreading it and doing all of that. And to be, my kids writing in a exercise book, to me, just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, again, we're back to um, you know uh, whether or not we've we've we're, we're aligning our methods and techniques in schools with with you know modern technology. I suppose the if you really allude to the fact that. You know, I mean, the whole thing about writing, you know, uh, is that I don't think it's. A, I'm a bit traditionalist, I suppose. I I, I would like the, us to be reducing that, you know, or eliminating that skill, even though we don't use it very much. I think it's a useful skill, and um, I think it hopefully it always will be. But um, there are definitely um, things that we need to look at, you know, um, different, and I think we probably. The idea about using exercise books versus, I don't know, other mediums to for information does seem, when you put it that way, to look a little bit old-fashioned. But you know, um, don't know. I, I personally sort of, I, I don't, I don't mind that personally. I, I, I don't mind a little bit of old-fashionedness, uh, as you know, because I think it's something that. Uh, but maybe it's because I'm a bit, bit traditional on stuff. But, but, I, but I definitely think you know the tradition of homework. If we go back to that. Um, and it's and it in it and it's in its current form doesn't change. I think, I think I think it needs just to go. I looking at my last bit. We've been talking for a while. Um, I had lots of essays I had to write. I had lots of writing I had to do at secondary school, which is, and my handwriting was horrible, and I hated physically writing it. My hand could never keep up with my head and things like that. But I had to write essay upon essay upon essay. But your essay was part of your GCSE score, so you had to learn how to write an essay. My children don't write essays because they don't need to. So they've not done huge amounts of long writing. They know how to answer a six-mark question, though. So, again, essay writing is often you're writing your blog post, you're writing your presentation, you're writing for purpose. The writing for purpose my children does six mark questions or 10 mark or a nine marker so there's i think there's lots of skills they're doing in school is just for a test just for an exam and just because we've always done it and i really think with everything homework big part of it and all that lot what is the purpose of school 
I, you know, I mean, those are really loads of questions there. You could carry come on, on Vinton. With, Vinton, No, I, I think, I think to be fair, I'm going to say something here. To be fair to schools, you know, there, there's always change needed. Uh, you, you do get different governments, different policies, different, um, uh, you know, different emphasise this. You know, we've had two years of this, you know, of COVID, and Ofsted have come in and said the children aren't learning as much as they should have learned, but, but we all would know that because there's been gaps in their knowledge. So, you know, and I, I suppose the response to that will to be, you know, suddenly now match that gap somehow or make up that gap. And that's slightly worrying because I don't think innovation is going to be at the forefront of what we're thinking about doing that. So in the, in the, in the, in the short term, I, I can't see this changing very much. What you do need is is a stability, is a, is a is a time of stability. You need to stop tinkering with whatever system we have, I and 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 to allow someone to sort of take what we have and adapt it for a longer term strategy. Education. I remember watching um, uh, an American uh, version of the House of Cards was, and uh, they were sitting there and they needed to come up with a new policy in order to beat the opposition, whatever issue they were talking about. So they sat down, it was, um, you know, it's the American version. So they sat down and, uh, in committee rooms in, in the White House and they looked and they said, economy, no, that's just too tricky. Defense, no, we kind of, we kind of, we got our point that they got their point. And they were going around the housing, oh, it's too complex. Education, yes, let's do education. Now there was no real desire to actually improve the education. What it was was an opportunity to argue against whatever policy was taking place of one party. And that's a show. That's just, you know, that's entertainment. But I sometimes wonder if education has been used as a bit of a football between political parties in order to generate a point of view, to generate votes for whatever, because it affects so many people and it's very emotive. Do you say you sometimes think? <laughs> yes. Okay, so I um, I I've 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 not I've never been a teacher, but I've been in involved edu in education since twenty one and before that I was a child of a teacher of SEN, so not ever. But DFE DFES Department for Children and Soft Furnishing was one of them. Definitely remember there was DCSF or something. It's like they just rename it to put their stamp on it. They introduce a new curriculum to put their stamp on it. They introduced Latin as a foreign language because they liked learning it at school at Eton. Because you know, um, they want to put, yeah, it's fashion. It is purely fashion. And the more, as a company, we've worked with the English curriculum, the Scottish curriculum, and the Welsh curriculum, you really just see things as fashion. And it's disappointing. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, but, um, I, I, you know, so you, You'd be much more sort of <laughs> much more definite than I was being on that. I think I think let, let's let's make we're going we're oh, we're, we're, we're way off piece now, really. We're so off piece. We're probably in a different country than we started on the slope we started with. But um, look, in the end of the day, uh, I go back to Pandora and her box, and uh, and there is hope. I think there is hope. While there are people out there who are you know thinking, hopefully taking on board. You know, we're sparking people to sort of try and make changes and it's what you guys do very well and your reach is huge. And so many people come up to me now and say they hear these these same casts and, you know, they enjoy them and it makes them think. And that's what we're trying to do in our own way. And we're, we're trying to, uh, 
you know, provide some ballast, some structure and some continuity on, on, on hopefully what, what are things that are good for everybody, um, but particularly focusing on those with SEN. So I suppose the change we could ask for is don't not set homework. Perhaps if someone doesn't do it, don't do anything. And perhaps for some children, just say to them, don't worry. I know how stressful it is. And, and just those two little changes can make a big difference. Yeah, I think so. I think we need to get, I think that, that option should be something we consider. Obviously, we need we need sort of some degree of continuity of that across uh, a number of schools because I think if one school does that and the other school doesn't do that, you know, there ends up being a bit. Obviously, we need the parents involved in this. I can tell you who would who would definitely agree with that would be the students. And in the end of the day, that's what we are supposed to be representing or helping and supporting. Uh, and I think you will get some students who like, want to carry on. You will get some students who really, as you say, what have to get it, just get it, get it done. Um, you're not generally going to get many students saying they want more homework, but you know, I, I. But the point is, we need to have some kind of common, fairly common policy or amongst a group of schools within a, within a mat or whatever system, or else you know you end up, you know, causing that more dissension between them. We don't want to make it worse. We want to make it better. Definitely. Thank you for coming on the show today, Fintam. Pleasure. Um, we put in the links that we uh, Fintam sent me. So, Casey uh, gets homework book. Uh, a couple of others. Um, so we're putting those in the show notes. You'll find them wherever you listen to podcasts. And you'll also find Finton's contact details. You can also find the show notes on our website, www.thesendcast.com. And you can also go and find all of Finton's episode there, his entire back catalogue. Um, thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, you can subscribe by going to our website where you'll find the links to all the different podcast platforms. And please join us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at The Sendcast, on Facebook, The Sendcast, and on Instagram, The Sendcast. And if you want to get in touch, let us know your thoughts, suggest topic, give feedback, or anything else, please send an email to hello at thesendcast.com. And if you have enjoyed The Sendcast, as always, please look into the Virtual Send Conference. This is a conference that, like The Sendcast, is run by us here at B Squared. It covers all aspects of SEND and is about us getting lots and lots of people in every single school trained around SEND rather than just the Senko. The conference is accessed across the internet. We have the videos always available, so you can buy the tickets for future or past events. We run a new conference every year, and each conference has 12 highly valuable sessions designed to help classroom-based practice rather than sort of pie-in-the-sky ideas, actually something you can implement in your school. The cost for each conference is £60, and this covers the entire school, not per person. And as a listener to the Sendcast, we're offering you a 10% discount just, to use the, just by using the code SENDCAST10. So thank you for listening. We'll be back with another episode of the Sendcast. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. And goodbye from Vincent too. Bye. Bye.